0: This is Dr. David D. Schein, and welcome to a special Saving America episode where I award a well deserved F grade to a politician, so called celebrity, or some other waste of space who just managed to make it into the public view. And in this case, we're dealing with a relatively high profile operation. The badge of dishonor belongs to the communist scum on the National Labor Relations Board, or NLRB. Not all of the members. There's five members. They're appointed politically, and you can guess what uh, party has the majority position at the moment. And they recently decided, just on their own, that the secret ballot elections, which is a significant control to avoid illegal activities by the unions and by employers, Uh, can now be avoided. When one neo-Marxist, Franklin Roosevelt, was running the country, one measure was the passage of the National Labor Relations Act in 1935 during the heart of the Great Depression. I did have to go through some court challenges, but basically following that, the United States rapidly unionized in almost all industrial activity, transportation, whatever it was, became unionized in a big hurry. Only some classically low wage jobs like uh, uh, restaurants and stuff, even some of them got unionized, but generally it was in the industrial sector. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to operate the NLRA, the act created the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, again, with five people, usually three from one party, two from the other party. And what's interesting to me about this is that it is not in the Department of Labor. It is a separate agency, they're in some fancy, I've been there, and they're in some fancy office space up with the lobbyists in Washington, D.C. They're not in the U.S. Department of Labor in the plain buildings with the metal desks. So I find that kind of interesting by itself. Uh, when I'm dictator for the day, all of this will be under one department, simplify life a lot. In any event, the law created, uh, created a situation where had mass unionization over a very brief period of time from about 1935 to 1940. And then what happened is, of course, Pearl Harbor, United States, enters World War uh, II. And unions were prohibited from striking during that time period. Now, some of the unions did strike anyway. Uh, But that was met with the, uh, the army going in and forcing people to go back to work and other really crazy stuff. However, the war ended in 1945. By this time, Harry Truman was president because FDR had passed away in office. And what happened at that point was something that's pretty interesting because then the unions went on strike and there were massive strikes across the United States just crippled the United States industrial activity at a key time when people who had not been able to buy cars for four years, uh, refrigerators or whatever, could suddenly buy these things. And so the demand was there, but the production was not because the unions uh, went on these massive strikes. So in any event, 1947 comes along and Congress puts together the first set of reforms of The national labor relations and basically create a little bit more balance between unions, which were given free run from 1935 until that point, to give a little bit more balance, give a little more power to the employers to at least have some opportunity to oppose unionization. Now, that was uh, Truman, who was elected by the unions, uh, vetoed it. uh, To give you an idea how strong things were, it passed over the veto. Of Truman, so it was kind of a really interesting uh, situation. So uh, the reason why I'm concerned about what's happening right now is the current demand of the auto workers for a 46 percent pay raise and a four day work week. This is three times the official inflation rate, even under the Biden administration. And last I heard, they are looking at putting 140,000 auto workers out on the street, and I. Frankly, just speaking for myself as a management advocate, I hope that the uh, automakers will hang tight because if not, uh, we're gonna see even more inflation in this country and auto prices are already out of touch for most Americans to buy a new car. I expect that would get even worse if the automakers roll over on these unreasonable, ridiculous demands. In any event, when you wanna form a union, the idea is the union would get out and would have to have at least 30% of the employee sign cards. Now, this is often done at bars and places, ice houses here in Texas, where uh, hourly workers at manufacturing companies hang out. So there's only one side involved, and a lot of times it's personal pressure. So, you know, a union organizer will buy him a few beers and then say, hey, how about signing this card? And The guy doesn't want a union. He'll say, hey, you're going to get to do a secret election. You know, you don't have to vote for us at that point. So the guy signs a card. Well, he doesn't realize that if he signs a lot of they, union the union organizer gets a lot of cards, this guy may end up with a union, whether he planned to vote for one or not. So this is a very serious uh, situation. And so now that brings us to the CMEX decision by the current committees on the National Labor Relations Board, at least the majority. And what it says, the unions are now going to be automatically recognized if they get 50% of the cards in the bargaining. And again, there's no interference or no opportunity for the employer to give back. At that point, the employer is going to have to demand that there be an election, the employer will only have two weeks to do that. I think most employers in the United States will demand it within 24 hours, at least if, if I have anything to do with it. But uh, it's, a, it's a very troublesome situation, but uh, there's a second part of the CMEX decision that's even more troubling. Another part of CMEX decision union alleges unfair labor practices, the acronym is ULPs. Anybody in the labor business knows what a ULP is. What happens is anytime the union loses an election, they allege ULPs. Doesn't mean that they really did have ULPs committed by the employer. The unions always allege them. Well, in this situation, if the unions run in after they lose an election and say to the NLRB, hey, we lost the election, the employers did all these bad things, ULPs, The NLB will order the employer to negotiate with the union without further consideration and without rerunning the election, which is the normal remedy if there's an allegation that the election was filed or filed up by the employer. So this is a, a, a very difficult situation. I do not expect the Biden administration to do anything to help this situation. In fact, I think they will will come out on the union side. Although, interestingly, Biden was asked if he thought the auto union was going on strike. And he said, no, I don't know that he consulted his uh, handlers before he made that uh, quick uh, reply. So one of the things to look at here is the reality is that less than 10% of the, American workforce is unionized and it's very heavily concentrated in transportation, uh, the few heavy industries like auto workers, and of course, our nearby refineries here along the Gulf Coast. And other than that, there's just not a lot of unions involved in, in things. So the America today is very different than the American workforce in 1935. And one of the things that I think is very interesting about this is that virtually all of the job growth in the United States has taken place in what are called right to work states. Now, a lot of people confuse that concept with employment at will. It's not. What it says is if your company gets unionized in a right to work state, you have the right not to pay union dues and not to be involved with the union. Now, uh, to my surprise, uh, the uh, ill-considered uh, governor uh, uh, up in uh, Michigan, uh, has uh, decided uh, that they would withdraw from right to work. And I think that is an idiotic decision and will, in turn, encourage even further growth of industry and businesses in the Great South, particularly Texas, across the Great South into Florida and up toward North Carolina and Virginia. And so I think it's just a very stupid thing for any state to do. Personally, I think right to work should be the law of the entire United States. And uh, it's, uh, it is the law in about a third of the states at the present time. So, Saving America awards its not coveted F grade to the members of the NLRB who are destroying American workers' right to vote for a union or not. This is Dr. David D. Shine for Saving America. Thanks for joining us. We're always happy to have your comments and feedback. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite platform.